0: What is happening on that Friday afternoon? Has Jesus of Nazareth is dying by crucifixion on a Roman cross? What is, what is happening? All over the world on this Good Friday, thoughtful people like you are asking that question in one way or another. Indeed, thoughtful people like you have been asking that question ever since the first Good Friday what is happening as Jesus is dying that brutal death? The fact is, there's no one single answer. Yes, there is the fundamental answer given for centuries. Jesus is dying to save the world. He'd been dying to save the world ever since we humans sinned in the persons of Adam and Eve. But on the cross, He's finally doing it. He is dying to save the world. But in what sense? For the world needs saving in many different ways, right? And on so many different levels, right? He's dying to save the world in what sense? In every way, the world needs to be saved. Which is why literally thousands of books have been written seeking to give an adequate answer to the question. And hundreds or more are being written in our time. For what is happening as Jesus is dying has yet to be fully explored and explained. If someone were to ask you this Good Friday, what? is happening as Jesus is dying, what would you say? Many biblical authors give part of the answer. No single biblical author gives the whole answer. Each one who speaks of the significance of the crucifixion comes at it from a particular angle, as we heard in the readings this evening. We need all the angles in order to begin to fully understand it all. And even then, no one can take it all in and then hold it in their mind. I've tried my best to do so for over 50 years now. I've preached nearly every Good Friday for over 50 years. But it keeps opening up to me. And I realize I have so much more to learn. What is happening as Jesus is dying. There are, of course, those objective things we would have seen and heard had we been there that Friday afternoon. The objective things that the four gospel writers record. Each of Jesus' biographers remembering things the others do not. Each one Holding before us things the others did not hear or see, or choosing not to record so as to focus on the thing they felt was most critical to relay. Some remember the darkness that descended upon Jerusalem for three hours. Pitch darkness in the middle of the afternoon. What is that about? signaling the fact of some sort of cosmic judgment or signaling the fact of some sort of cosmic sorrow. Some remember the violent earthquake that shook the city around noon, signaling the fact that even creation is reacting to this horror of crucifixion. Matthew, the former tax collector, remembers graves opening and bodies of saints being raised, signaling the fact that death is being defeated even as Jesus dies. Three of the Gospels remember that the curtain in the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom. It's a huge curtain. It's 60 feet high, it's 30 feet wide, and 18 inches thick, ripped apart, signaling the fact that that which has separated unholy sinners from a holy God has been removed, signaling the fact that the way into the very presence of holiness is now wide open. The biblical author who thought the hardest about what is happening on Good Friday is the man who came to be known as the Apostle Paul. Before he became a follower of Jesus, his name was Saul, Saul of Tarsus, a thinker, a rabbi, a brilliant thinker, as brilliant as any of Judaism's greatest thinkers, as brilliant as philosophers like, like Plato and Socrates. He had heard what Christians were saying about what was happening as Jesus was dying, and he thought it was ridiculous. He thought it was stupid. He thought it was blasphemous. Crucified Messiah... An oxymoron, if there ever was one, messiahs don't get crucified. An offensive scandal to the Jewish mind and utter foolishness to the Greek mind. But after an encounter with this crucified messiah, an encounter made possible because the crucified was resurrected after dying... Saul could not stop thinking, and he could not stop speaking about Jesus dying on the cross. In one of his letters, he stated, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. In another letter, he declares, May it never be that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He then began to share what he thought was happening on Good Friday. Paul writes things like, God publicly displayed Jesus as a propitiation in his blood. Deep stuff. Boy, volumes have been written on that one line. In another place, he claims, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. become. Uh, This is the same language the Apostle John uses at the beginning of his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Paul pushes it further. He who became flesh also became sin. Sin. He who knew no sin became sin. This is really deep stuff. I know of no one Who has satisfactorily plumbed the depths of that declaration? In another place, Paul says Christ, Messiah, redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. He who became flesh also became a curse. He who knew no sin became the curse sin deserves. I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And when we ask Paul to tell us more of what he sees as Jesus is happening, he who became sin for us and a curse for us, Paul, like the writers of the Gospels, has much to say, and thousands of books have been written about what Paul wrote. On this Good Friday, focus with me on just one dimension of the crucifixion Paul opens up for us, a dimension not given that much attention. It's found in the letter to the Colossians, chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. When you were dead in your transgressions, Jesus made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgression. And now here's the line I want to focus on. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us. Certificate of debt or certificate of indebtedness. Paul is thinking of a kind of I.O.U., it was, in the words of one New Testament scholar, a bond which stated and acknowledged a debt, which makes payment for the debt obligatory, and which sets out certain penalties if payment was not completely rendered for this debt. I'm told that when a person was crucified, such a certificate was placed over his head. A certificate listing his crimes, the reason for which he's given capital punishment. Listing all the debts the person owed to the state for his crime. Now, Paul knows that the Roman governor Pilate had nailed over the head of Jesus the sign reading, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. It's written in the three languages that were spoken in Jerusalem at that time, Aramaic, Greek and Latin. And Paul knows that the religious leaders demanded that Pilate change that sign to read, He said, I am the King of the Jews. For that, in their mind, was Jesus' crime. Jesus falsely claimed to be the King of the Jews. Pilate says, Leave it as I have written it. Not as a statement of Jesus' crime, but as a statement of fact He is King. But Paul also realizes, Paul also realizes that over the head of the dying Jesus, another sign was posted. The sign was invisible at that time. I, I had thought about drawing such a sign and then having it projected for us. But then I realized I'd be violating the text for the sign was invisible. It's only, it only can be seen by the eyes of faith. Paul sees over the head of Jesus another certificate stating Jesus' crimes, deeper crimes, not just against the state, but against God. A certificate of debt over the head of Jesus stating Jesus' crimes. Jesus is dying for crimes He committed? Jesus is paying the price for debts he owed? No way. Then to what is Paul referring? To the gospel of the cross, which makes Good Friday so good. Jesus is taking up the certificate of our debts and nailing it over his head as his certificate of debt. He who owed no debt takes up our debt, and then makes them his own. As the prophet Isaiah foresaw, Jesus, the suffering servant, would be numbered with the transgressors. He would become one of the sinners. The suffering servant would then bear the sin of many as his own. The suffering servant would then bear the iniquities of his people as his own. Jesus took the certificate of debt we owe and bore it to the cross Jesus himself bore it to the cross. He, says Paul, nailed it to the cross. He, Jesus, he who knew no sin, nails the certificate of our sin on the cross as his own certificate. He makes our certificate his certificate. He makes our crimes his crime, and he then bears the curse our crimes deserve. Now, how Paul came to see all this, we do not know. And how Paul could understand how Jesus, whose hands were nailed, could nail anything, we do not know. The only way Jesus could have done it is to have nailed that certificate to himself. Somehow, he took up our certificate and absorbed it in himself, which means that when he was crucified, our certificate of debt was crucified with him. Which means that when he was taken off the cross, our certificate was taken off with him. Which means that when Jesus was buried in the tomb, our certificate was buried with him. And therefore, canceled. Canceled. Now, who wrote what is on this certificate? We did. Our our conscience wrote it out. It's all there in our conscience, even if we try to ignore it. And he wrote it out. He to whom we owe all our obedience wrote it all out on that certificate. And and, and what is on that certificate? Here, Paul would have in mind what the First Testament had in mind. Paul would have in mind what the Bible he grew up in had in mind, a a multi-leveled indebtedness, sin, transgression, and iniquity. We find those words throughout the Bible and usually in the same paragraph. Sin, transgression, and iniquity. Sin, it basically means to miss the mark. It's a word that's used of an archer who pulls back the the, the bow, shoots the arrow, only to miss the target. We all do it. Miss the mark. This is what Paul means when he says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short of what we know pleases the holy God. And this certificate is full of all of our missings of the mark. Transgression. It it basically means to cross the line. The word refers to coming to a gate with a sign that reads, no trespassing, And marching right through the gate anyway. Which is why transgression is often translated as rebellion. We see the sign, but we rebel against the authority that placed the sign there. We all do it. We transgress. We think that somehow we're above the law and we can do whatever we choose to do. Some transgressions are small. Some are big. But all are wrong. And this certificate lists them all. All of them, small or big, visible or invisible, obvious or hidden, they're all there. It's an awful certificate. And iniquity. The, refer, the word refers to that thing in us that makes us miss the mark and makes us cross the line. It's sometimes translated twistedness. It's sometimes translated pervertedness. It's actually a combination of the two. Twisted pervertedness, perverted twistedness. Causing us to miss the mark again and again and again. Causing us to cross through the line again and again and again. And causing us to work up debt after debt after debt. It's all on that certificate. And it's canceled. That's what Paul sees happening as Jesus is dying on the cross. It's all being canceled. All the missing of the mark, canceled. All the crossing of the line, canceled. All the perverted twistedness, canceled. Everything on that certificate is canceled. Makes me want to get off the stool. (laughs) Actually, It's better than that. The word translated cancel primarily means to wipe away, or better, sponge off. Oh, mercy. The picture Paul has in mind, or as I should say, what Paul sees going on as Jesus is dying on the cross, is that of Jesus sponging away all that is on that certificate. It would be good enough for God to have written over the certificate, death canceled. I owe you paid in full, right? That would be wonderful enough. But it would still be possible for someone to come along, look at my certificate, and see between the letters of the word canceled, the kinds of things that were canceled. And I would be ashamed at what they would see there. Jesus spares me the shame by sponging away... All that was there. What a picture. Somehow, as he is shedding his blood, Jesus is sponging away all my sin. He's sponging away all my transgression. He's sponging away all my iniquity. And he's sponging it away, not with water, but with his blood. That's why we sometimes sing, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That is what is happening that Friday afternoon. Messiah is washing away what is on the certificate of the debt. All the missing of the mark, all the crossing of the line, all that stuff that makes us miss the mark and cross the line. Actually, it's better than that. (laughs) For Paul goes on to say, Jesus has taken it out of the way. The certificate is sponged clean and then removed altogether, taking it away, taking it by him to the grave, never to appear again. It is gone. The certificate is gone. And is this not? What is promised to us in the new covenant. The new covenant sealed in Jesus' blood. The last line of that covenant is, I will forgive their iniquities and their sin and transgression. I will remember no more remember no more not just canceled as good as that would be not just sponged off as good as that would be but removed altogether and now the ultimate authority in the universe treats us as though that certificate had never existed and as a result we are free to go through the torn curtain we're free to go all the way through into the presence of holiness We can go all the way in, all the way in. We can go all the way into the life of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Boy, it's almost too good to be true, is it not? (laughs) On this Good Friday, that's how I feel. It's too good to be true. Canceled. (laughs) Sponged off. Taken away. Can it really be maybe for you, but for me? Or you might be saying, maybe for you, Daryl, but for me? Yes, for you, and yes, for me. Oh, Holy Spirit, in this sacred moment, as we gather before the cross, do your deep work in our souls. The deep work of enabling each of us to say today, Jesus did all this for me. I love the second line of the hymn, It is Well With My Soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole. It's nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul.